Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig with details. Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Ahoy there, mateys. Welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Lauren Volkebaum. Now we're going to do part two of our episodes about the Pirate Bay. Now, in case you needed a quick refresher, previously on Tech Stuff. So the Pirate Bay torrent tracking site gets in Sweden, uh, gets some big attention, uh, gets really big, not just in Scandinavia, but outside Scandinavia. And then that's when music industry and movie industry take notice and say, let's stop that thing, yo. And say, let's stop that thing, yo, to the tune of $13 million in damages. Right. Now, uh, getting over into 2009... That's when uh, things really start getting serious. It goes beyond this RIAA lawsuit and becomes a massive crackdown. Swedish prosecutors take to court the three co-founders of the Pirate Bay. Uh, actually, let me let me let me scroll on up so I can say their names properly. So that the three co-founders are Peter Sunda, uh, uh, Friedrich Nei, and Gottfried Svartholmvari. 
So they take those three to court, and they also add a fourth person, a fellow who actually had provided funding for the Pirate Bay, which often would solicit donations from users to continue the site uh, so that it would be able to continue operating. Because they were running a whole bunch of servers, which is expensive. Right. But the, the financial guy who was named in the lawsuit was Carl Lundstrom. Uh, Lundstrom also would end up getting a lot of it. There'd be a lot of attention directed toward the Pirate Bay because of Lundstrom's political leanings. Uh, Lundstrom had a history of supporting some very far right um, political Swedish parties, nationalists. Swedish nationalist parties, like keep Sweden Swedish type stuff. So uh, very, very firm and harsh views for any non-Swedish person moving into the nation and um, so anyway, that that also added fuel to the fire for the uh, the 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 criticism toward the Pirate Bay. Uh, all of the other founders of the Pirate Bay said, you know, uh, we were just looking at money. We're not our philosophy has always been about file sharing, not about, you know, this this other type of policy. Um, anyway, they were all lumped in with this this lawsuit so in April 2009, they were all found guilty of assisting copyright infringement, and each was sentenced to a year in jail, and each received fines totaling around $3.6 million, depending upon whom you ask, because it was, of course, not in dollars. It was in Kronen, I believe, and uh, then you have to convert it and adjust for inflation, so it gets tricky. But by the end of 2009... The BitTorrent tracker at the Pirate Bay went offline, and it made the Pirate Bay uh, just a torrent indexing site. So this meant that it was kind of like a just a giant database of torrents. It wasn't um, the the tracker part, the BitTorrent tracker part, was no longer active. Right, uh, and they they decided to take it down because there was legal precedent, not only in this court case, that hosting a tracker server for a torrent can um can make you legally culpable for helping people uh, share. Illegal, illegally copied material. Right. Um, and, and shutting it down was made possible by, um, by, by, by new tech that was actually really cool in a, you know, kind of using for illegal purposes sort way. of way. Sure. Um, it, it's called peer linking software. And what it does, in, instead of using the, the tracker to query, you know, a, a tracker is a central server that the software that you run on your computer queries to find out where the little bits of every file that you want are located. Right, right. This um, peer linking software queries through the swarm, through um, through all of the computers that are that are hosting that that are personally using. Gotcha. So it's taking that that uh, central server part kind of out of the equation when it comes to actually locating these files, these mm-hmm. bits of files that you need for to make your full file, whatever it is. Um, yeah, it was, and, and kind of ends up ma- distributing the blame a little. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and in June of 2009, a story broke that uh, a company called Global Gaming Factory X was going to buy the Pirate Bay for $7.8 billion wow. with the goal of actually turning it into a legitimate legal site where people could trade files or purchase files. Um, the CEO at Global Gaming Factory X at that time was Hans Pandeya. But several weeks would go by and nothing seemed to develop. It was kind of like the plan to buy Sealand from, if you listen to our previous podcast, you'll hear about these, the wonderful story of the Pirate Bay trying Prince to buy. Prince Sealand. Yeah, trying to, mm-hmm. trying to buy a naval, a forming, former British naval platform and current sovereign state. <laughs> And turn it into their own uh, little pirate bay country. Well, that fell through, and this 
deal also seemed to kind of just go nowhere. It just, it, you know, it was announced that it was a possibility and then nothing seemed to happen. So in February of 2010, it became clear more, at least a little more clear why it never, that deal never really went anywhere because Global Gaming Factory collapsed. <laughs> uh, uh, the com- do it, yeah. the company went under, uh, Pandaya had actually had his own personal property uh, in the form of a motorcycle and a car seized by the government um, due to the fact that he was unable to make good on financial obligations of the company. Uh, so the deal to buy Pirate Bay fell through. Not a big surprise there. Uh, in May of 2010, a German court injunction took down the Pirate Bay temporarily. So uh, like temporarily being just a matter of like a day. It was it was back and operational in no time at all. And uh, at that time, you also had Internet service providers arguing that they had no control over the content of traffic over their networks. So in other words, they, they said, we're providing the pipes, but we don't provide we don't the stuff that goes, goes in it. it. Yeah. Which is a very Which similar is, argument to what mm-hmm, the pirate base. Exactly. Said. You know, they're like, hey, we give people the opportunity to share files. But we're not telling them what to share and we're not telling them uh, don't share anything. The only thing we're telling them is make sure your label matches whatever the file is. That's mm-hmm. the only thing that we care about. So, uh, you know, ISPs were kind of giving the same argument, saying they, they shouldn't be held responsible for the content. That um, goes through them, right? Yeah. So the, when the Pirate Bay came back after the German court injunction, it was hosted by the Swedish Pirate Party. Now, this is different than Pirat Biron, which we talked about before. That was the Piracy Bureau. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Swedish Pirate Party was sort of kind of a, a similar political organization in Sweden, but not the same people. OK. Uh, now, that was the first political party that was actually called the Pirate Party. And that, that itself, the Swedish Pirate Party, was founded back in 2006. A central platform of the Pirate Party was to give more power to individuals as opposed to governments and companies to use the Internet to communicate freely and share with one another. So so the Swedish Pirate Party was the first political party actually called the Pirate Party. Now there are quite a few of them, but the Swedish Pirate Party is the original one. It was founded back in 2006, and the central platform for the party was to give more power to the individual as opposed to governments and corporations to use the internet to communicate freely and to share with one another. So uh, it shares a lot of the same uh, philosophy as the Libertarian Party might in the United States, okay. um, but was very specifically focused on internet communication, not, you know, that, that was like the, the primary focus, at least as far as the Pirate Bay was concerned, certainly. Right. Uh, 2010 was also when uh, Pirat Biran disbanded. Yeah, they said that they did everything they planned on doing, and they were done doing the thing they planned, which you know, basically said in Swedish. <laughs> but yeah, it, uh, and probably much more eloquently than the way I put it. Yeah, they said that they met their goals, and the organization was always meant to be temporary. It was never meant to be, you know, a, a, a to last indefinitely. Also, also one of the original um, co-founders of the organization had passed away yeah. that year. Ibi Kopimi Botani. He had passed away, and uh, that that really, I think, what led to the group dissolving. You know, it, it's I've seen this happen with other organizations where someone, even even if the person is not technically the leader of the organization, often they could be the glue that holds everything together. 
And when they depart or they pass away, then the organization really just can't hold itself as a cohesive unit anymore. Uh, and in November of 2010, the Swedish appeals court shortens the prison sentence of uh, Peter Sunde from one year to eight months. Uh, Friedrich Ney got uh, from one year to 10 months. Uh, and financier Carl Lundstrom went from one year to four months. Essentially, it already served it out by then. And uh, Gottfried Svartholm Vari received a reduced sentence, but missed the appeals trial due to an illness. Uh, but while their 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 prison sentences were reduced, their fines went way up. Yeah, uh, and again, it's this is complicated because you have to, you know, convert Cronin to dollars and inflation and all that. But essentially, it went from about three point six million to about six point five million dollars in damages. And the uh, the appeals court, essentially what they did was they listened to the organization's claims about how much money uh, they lost due to piracy. And just accepted it and just said, said that, yep, oh, sounds all right, good. Well, then that's how much they owe you. Yeah. Whereas a lot of, again, we said it before in our previous podcast, uh, most reports that I've seen, like the the actual reports that really go into looking at how much money is lost due to piracy, say that there's no way to actually put a dollar amount on that because you can't you can't tell who would have purchased the material legitimately if there were no way of pirating it. Right. So if you if you were to remove piracy, just magically snap your fingers and piracy is now impossible. There is no way to pirate stuff. You can't, you can't guarantee that, that someone that would that buy it. $6.5 million of, right. Yeah, that, that, that everyone would. Now, some of them undoubtedly would have purchased it. Mm-hmm. Some of them would not. So that means that because of this uncertainty, you can't actually say, oh, that is worth X amount of dollars and I have the proof right here and that, you know, cause you can't prove it. Um, however, in the courts, this is something that it all depends upon the judge and jury. I mean, they, you know, they're the ones who decide whether or not the argument holds water. And in this case, they said, you are going to pay up big time. Now, uh, for the part of the co-founders of the Pirate Bay, their general response to the fines was similar to something I did in the first episode that I'm not going to do again because Lauren and Noel will kill me. But essentially they said, ha ha, we won't pay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They They were like, that's cute. Yeah. Bye. Good, good luck getting your cash, suckers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, their attitude has not changed at all from the point when they founded the site to current day, where they they still owe money, but they said, you know, none of them has paid any of it. Yeah, uh, we're not going to pay. Yeah. yeah. That's essentially the their response. Some and, of some of them have served out their court their uh, court mandated terms, but yeah, yeah, and we'll get into kind of you know catching up with the founders at the end of this episode. Yeah. So for right now, I know this is going really quickly, guys. You're thinking, what show am I listening to? Because this is going really fast. But it's because, well, we're wrapping up on the Pirate Bay. Before we get into the second half and really talk about what's going on, you know, over the last couple of years, let's take a quick moment to thank our sponsor. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. 
Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, and now we're back. So let's talk about, you know, more recent occurrences with the Pirate Bay. What's been going on? Um, like what happened in 2012? They actually uh, decided for some of their most popular content, and then later on uh, they All applied it. it to everything. Mm -hmm. To uh, stop offering torrent files, what's up with that? So, so okay, so so January was when they promised that they were going to remove all torrent files from their site in favor of of what's called magnet links. Huh. And um, now, if you remember from our previous episode on torrents, dot um, torrent files run on your computer and calculate what bits of files you'll need to complete the the media file that you want. Yeah, it's it's essentially metadata. It's information about the file that you actually want. So, a torrent file. Does not like if you were wanted to torrent Britney Spears' latest album, because that uh, that ooh la la song or whatever she does is just awesome, and you want it. By the way, I actually do like that song because it sounds like J-pop. 
beside the point. So let's say that you want that and you can't stand the thought of paying for it. Uh, the torrent file that you get for that doesn't actually have any of the ooh-la-las. Right. There's it, none it, of that in it there. It just sends a, a hash of requests to a server. Right, which then judge you, but then give you the, the <laughs> files that you ask. Um, now, now, a magnet link contains all of that calculation data in the link itself. So the processing happens on a server instead of on your computer. Mm-hmm. Um you, you you do still need to create a dot torrent for 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 a new piece of media that you are uploading to, um to the interwebs. Right. But um, but but basically it it you know saved a lot of resources, made the Pirate Bay site much smaller, like to the point that it can be carried on a thumb drive. Right. These so days. so by making it much smaller, that that increased the the likelihood that they would be able to return the Pirate Bay to full working order should something else happen to it like a government shuts down more servers. So this was another attempt not only to just make the site run more smoothly, but to ensure that there would be other ways of preserving the site should something happen to it. And and, um, the message being sent out to content creators is this isn't going away. This is part of reality now. This is this is part of the landscape. You can try and take it down, but every time you try and take it down, it's just going to come up again. The most you're going to do is have us offline for maybe a couple of days, you know, a week on the outside. But we will eventually find a server. Stop us. Yeah, you can't stop us. Right. Um, yeah, which got, gets pretty rough. Um, uh, meanwhile, uh, February, Sweden's Supreme Court declined to hear an appeal from the founders. Yeah, which was a big deal, right? This was this was essentially saying that the court finding of the the their guilt was going to stand, and that's pretty much it. And that's like there's, it. There's nowhere else to go at that point. So the founders are stuck with the the prison sentences and the fines, mm-hmm. which they still said they would not pay. Right at that point, um, the the trials were officially over, and um, they were the pirate bay was was afraid that. Um, they were still currently at that time on uh, UnitedStates.org. Yeah. Domains. Right. Yeah. They. They. Their domain name was thepiratebay.org. Right. right? Which was that made them a little nervous. Well, they they were afraid that since that trial was over, um, that the U.S. was going to um, seize that domain. Right. So they decided to, to, to abandon to, it to avoid uh, future litigation, yeah. and uh, so so they redirected to a .e domain. Or dot uh, se dot se uh, dot dot se domain yeah they they did that they do that a lot <laughs> in in 2013 <laughs> we're really going to be talking about some of the uh, whack a mole type uh, Lots approach of server moves yeah uh, and uh, again in an attempt to really find a home that will one house them and and two not bow to pressure from companies and organizations and mm-hmm. governments they start to do a lot of a lot of very admirably clever things. Yeah. Um, ad- admirable. And, yeah. You know, you know, kind of in that scoundrel way. Where, it's, you know, it's really impressive. Like, it's fascinating. We, they definitely have dedication. Yes. I will say that. Um, uh, 2012 was also when the United Kingdom High Court said that all ISPs in the United Kingdom were to block access to the Pirate Bay. Huh. Now, that would um that would matter if the Internet didn't work the way it does and that you couldn't find proxy servers that would allow you to get around uh, international bands like that, because that's the thing is that, you know, using something like a proxy server, you could log into a proxy server, which isn't blocked by the the ISPs. And then as the proxy server end up accessing the stuff that you wanted to access in the first place. And because the traffic is making a hop there, it might mean that it, the whole process takes longer than it normally would, but, but it means it's not it still really works. really a deterrent. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone who 
is really determined to use these services usually is all, also willing to take the extra steps it would require to, to savvy be able enough to, to know about yeah. them and capable of using yeah. them. Although we'll talk more about some interesting developments in just piracy in general um, that have happened since uh, since this. So this was also when um, they were starting to talk about changing not only the fact about the, the magnet links, but also kind of abandoning the server approach entirely. Uh, right. So, okay. So, so in October, um, a broken power distribution unit led to almost 48 hours of downtime. And that was more downtime that they had had since that, uh, raid in 2006, the police raid that, right. that literally took their servers. Right. Um, w- which lasted for three days. Which lasted for three days. Right. Um, and this, this happened to coincide with a police raid on a, um, former hosting company in Sweden. So with this coincidental, uh, pair of events, you have the power going out, which leads to the site going down Mm -hmm. and you have this raid, it led a lot of people to jump to the conclusion that the police had taken down the pirate bay again. Right. Which really, according to what we've read, is not the case. It's just one of those crazy coincidences. It was just a thing that that happened to happen at the same time. But uh, but after that, they decided that this entire physical media thing was kind of for the birds. And um, as of October 17th of 2012, decided to move most of their services to the cloud. Um, as of January 2013, they were running on 17 virtual machines. And what, what this means is that, you know, instead of having, um, physical servers, they've got virtual servers. The only physical equipment that, um, that the Pirate Bay still maintains is, um, a load balancer, which is a, a, a RAM based server through which, um, all of the communication with users goes mm. and, uh, then some, uh, transit routers. Huh. And so, so this, this keeps, both the cloud providers and the site's users private. The the cloud providers, the you know, the hosters don't know what they're hosting. Right. And um and all of these things are in different countries. Plausible deniability is what it boils down to. Yeah, it's actually funny. There's a there's a great this I have to read this because do this, it. And I did it before, and and I'm gonna go even more dramatic in the actual text stuff reading. Excellent. Winston Brahma. Oh, right. <laughs> spoke for the Pirate Bay. And this was Winston Brahma's uh, kind of explanation. If there is data, there is the Pirate Bay. Our data flows around in thousands of clouds in deeply encrypted forms ready to be used when necessary. Earthbound nodes that transform the data are as deeply encrypted and reboot into a deadlock if not used for eight hours. All attempts to attack the Pirate Bay from now on is an attack on everything and nothing. The site that you're at will still be here for as long as we want it to, only in a higher form of being, a reality to us, a ghost to those who wish to harm us. Uh, Basically, uh, it's, you know, Neo and the Matrix, I think, is is what that is. Yeah, it's a little little take the the blue pill, you know. (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, Um, I mean, melodrama and the Pirate Bay are two things that have gone hand in hand more than once. Yes. Uh, but, but no, I mean, you know, it's, it's true that, that if the police decided to, to raid them, they would find a router or, yeah. or, a, or a load balancer. And if they did take those, all you can get is encrypted disk images. And if the, um, the virtual servers have been out of communication with the load balancer for more than eight hours, they shut down and require encryption passwords upon rebooting. Right. So, yeah. Good so luck. If, you, if you take something, it's it's useless to you, right? And, and then, also, and, and it's, it's only everywhere. a matter, and it's only a matter of time before someone has activated it again from some other location. Yes. So again, it's another one of those messages saying, you know, um, 
we understand you're going to take stuff down. We're telling you it won't matter. So if you want to keep spending the time and resources it takes to take stuff down, go right ahead. But it doesn't matter. But we don't care. Yeah. Um, so move, that moves us up to 2013, which for those of you who are listening shortly after we recorded that is this year. If you're listening to this episode from some time in the future, send me a jetpack. So the Swedish Pirate Party in 2013 stops being the host of the Pirate Bay. You know, they had taken over back after the, the, the Pirate Bay had been taken down. They were the ones who were able to host it and bring it back up. Well, they took it, uh, they decided to, to kind of end that relationship after they received threats from the Rights Alliance, which is an anti-piracy organization in Sweden. At that point, the hosting transferred to the Norwegian Pirate Party. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. 
he says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. And the Spanish Pirate Party, uh, both of which were organizations that the Pirate Bay kind of identified as being less likely to bow to uh, to pressures from other organizations. Also, the governments in Norway and Spain were less... It wasn't that they don't care about piracy. That's just not what they focus on. So they felt that there was, was less of a legal precedent in those places. And, well, there's just going to be less pressure less because pressure. that wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't a priority in those in those countries. Um, they switched from Swedish servers to servers in Greenland because, again, they were just trying to prevent this you know downtime that would happen if the Swedish servers were were uh, seized. But uh Within two days of moving to Greenland, the Pirate Bay lost both of its .gl domain names. So, uh, so Greenland said, no thanks. Yeah, so then the site moved to Icelandic servers for a week. And then they, new threats were showing up to bring down the site in Iceland. So that forced the site to relocate again, this time to the Caribbean. So now we have Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, no. Yo-ho, yo-ho. A pirate's life for me. It can be found on multiple top-level domains, meaning that you know you can use different top-level domains. The top-level domains are things like the .se, .gl. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it can be found on multiple ones, which means that if one goes down, you still have other ones you can try and get to. And um, there are a lot of sites that even just keep a running tab on which ones are currently working versus down. Yep. So you can even check those. Um, so it pretty much ensures that the site will continue even if one or more servers are seized. Uh, 2013 is also when there was a documentary that was aired uh, or, or screened, I guess I should say. Uh, I do find the title of the documentary to be absolutely irritating, <laughs> but it's a pet peeve of mine. Also, so it's it's a TPBAFK colon the Pirate Bay away from keyboard. So it's the acronym and then the acronym is broken out, which means that you didn't need the acronym there. You could have just had the Pirate Bay away from keyboard. If, if, if they had put if they had put the translation um, in parentheses, I would have no problem with it. But I, I, I think that really they needed a copy. Editor. I just I just feel like it. If don't use an acronym, if you're going to have to spell it out anyway, don't do it. There's no point. Why do it? Ugh. But I hate acronyms anyway. Anyway, this documentary was about... Don't get me started on FYI. I will just lose it. I'm sorry. The documentary was about some of the founding members of the Pirate Bay. It came out in early 2013, and it really profiled the three founders essentially during that trial that they were in in Sweden. So the trial back in 2009 where they were ultimately pronounced guilty of assisting in copyright uh, uh, infringement. So um, it's... From what I understand, a, an interesting uh, documentary. Although I've not, I have full disclosure, I have not seen. Neither it. of us have watched it. No. Um, also, I don't know that I. I mean, I, I assume there's probably a version out there that has uh, subtitles because I don't speak Swedish, so I certainly wouldn't be able to follow it uh, if I were to watch it without subtitles. I would just be lost the entire time. Uh, but I do understand that there's a lot of like airing of dirty laundry, or at least you know airing of people's foibles between the founders who who generally agree on a particular part of their philosophy but outside of that they're very different people. Yeah, it it, sound, it sounds very much like like outside of their right political interests they don't necessarily get along. They're not necessarily friends. Yeah. 
uh, all and, the and, time, or or they are friends, but they're just like, oh, you know, Gottfried's always just drunk and racist. That's, yeah, that's, that's just what he that's does. That's pretty much what that's they say Gottfried. about Gottfried. About how Gottfried uh, seems occasionally when he when he's had a few uh, drinks in him, according to what I've read, seems to be more along Lundstrom's political views. Yes, you know, uh, but the other guys say, no, that's just him being drunk. That's He's actually a good guy. It's just, you know, he gets drunk and then he decides he wants to rant, rant and or create an argument where there wasn't an argument before. They He just kind of gets a little, you know, in your face and aggressive. But that's that's only because he's been drinking. Otherwise, he's a good guy. That's essentially the kind of reference I get. Twenty thirteen is also when they added links to Bitcoin and Litecoin right. so that people could uh, could contribute to the site using those rather than something like. You know, PayPal, which uh, something that tracks back to you, and... or or something that could be shut down. Like mm-hmm. there are plenty of stories about uh, uh, financial institutions cutting off uh, any sort of support for the Pirate Bay and related services like the Pirate Bay because they'd get pressure from the government saying, "Hey, we don't want any money from the U.S. going to fund the this site because it's it's supporting intellectual property theft." So, uh, you know, you would get PayPal or, or credit card companies saying that they would no longer support uh, financial transactions to sites like that. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin and Litecoin totally gets around that. So not only yeah. does it protect identities, but it also creates an open flow of uh, of income. Right. Uh, while researching this episode, I, I found a lot of, um, you know, I was hanging out a bunch on um Sites that talk about stuff about torrenting and, yeah. and, and most of the consensus seemed to be that you should not trust a torrent site that does not take, um, Bitcoin. Yeah. The interesting thing for me is that Bitcoin itself is such an unstable currency, uh, unstable in the mean, in, in the sense that the value, the value of Bitcoin fluctuates wildly. Yeah. Much more than, than currencies that are part of a stable economy, right? So I'm not saying that Bitcoin, like Bitcoin may eventually settle down and become a perfectly viable and stable form of currency. But right now, you'll see the value fluctuate so wildly that you could, if you were to look at your amount of Bitcoins and compare it to dollars, one day you might be rich and the next day you might not be able to buy a Big Mac. So, <laughs> well, it's, I, I think the, the, the point of it is, is a political one and that, um, that the idea behind Bitcoin, which is kind of shaking your fist at the man, um, right, it very, it's very much, and bankless. very much aligns yeah. with, um, with their, with their philosophy with the on copyright. copyright. Yeah. yeah, sure. So where um, are they now? Yeah. Um, so Lundstrom did in fact serve those four months. Uh, that, that he was supposed to in Sweden mm-hmm. under house arrest mm-hmm. and um, has since returned to live in Switzerland. Okay. Uh, Gottfried Svathomvari was indicted in April 2013 on hacking charges that were unrelated to the Pirate Bay. He's actually accused of hacking into the Nordia Bank to withdraw money and several Swedish companies and the government's uh, federal taxing agency da- uh, databases as well. Um, he was also alleged to have stolen information, including personal data. And uh, so according to Wired and Ars Technica, he also has issues with drug abuse. Uh, this was after uh, Gottfried and Frederick had um, had bugged out to Cambodia, uh, to Laos, to, uh, to to hang out in order to avoid being arrested under these charges that were that were levied against them. Mm. And uh, Gottfried had been uh, deported after breaking his visa agreement, uh, getting himself arrested. Somehow, I did not read how, um, but uh, but had been yeah had been deported back to Sweden, right? right. And that and that is uh, upon which he um, 
I don't think uh, uh, faced faced any any particular uh, police manhunt or anything like that until he was brought up on these separate drug and hacking charges. Right. And just to clarify, I, I, there was just one word that was dropped there: Cambodia and then Laos. Oh, we, we do know they are two t- different yeah. countries. <laughs> we do. We know that because I heard the pause, but I didn't hear the and then. But yes, that is exactly what happened. So, um, yeah, he, he, there are actually more hacking charges on Gottfried uh, that are waiting for him in Denmark. So, um, and he's and he actually is he his jail sentence went from uh, from less than one year to two additional years. Although, again, this is a different crime. This was the hacking crime, right. and he's the first person, according to the Wall Street Journal, first person in Sweden to be sent to jail on hacking charges. So, you know. Founder of the Pirate Bay, first hacker to go to jail for hacking uh, in Sweden. Uh, I guess that's a legacy. Yes. Uh, 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 Frederick, meanwhile, is um, still hanging in out in Laos. Yeah, he has a, he has a family there. Yes, uh, he he has a wife and child. Um, the statute of limitations on his prison sentence is five years, and he has said that he's willing to wait. Yeah, he, he said actually, that less politely than I just said that. Right, he said it in such a way that we cannot even repeat it on our podcast, or we could, but I don't know that either of us are willing to do that. Nope. But anyway, he essentially said that uh, if he just waited out the statute of limitations on the 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 sentence, that you know he could come back and there's nothing anyone could do because he had you know the statute of limitations is over. There's no legal uh, basis to go after him anymore. So he says, yeah, I can just wait that out. I don't have a problem with that. And uh, they can't, because of Swedish law and because of the specific crime he was accused of, there's no basis for an international warrant of arrest. So they can't come after him in Laos either. So he just can wait. Uh, and then there's Peter Sunda, who is currently developing a smartphone app called uh, Himmelis. Uh, it's H-E-M-L dot I-S which is from the Swedish word. And by the way, I'm sure I completely butchered that because I didn't look up how this one was said. And I apologize. But it could have entire consonants that we didn't, we yeah, didn't even read. Yeah. 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 It, but anyway, it's from the Swedish word for secrecy. And uh, it's an app that is meant to allow encrypted communication between people to keep messages safe from other parties, namely organizations like the NSA, which if you listen to our PRISM episodes, you've heard all about the NSA and the NSA's uh, habit of spying on communications, particularly between foreign governments and foreign agents. Now, keep in mind, Peter Sunday, uh, Sunda rather, is from Sweden. So he falls under that category of, you know, someone, well, at least he falls under the category of foreign, if not foreign agent, uh, from the United States perspective. And so, you know, Obviously, it makes sense to for him to create some sort of encrypted messaging service that would allow people to have secure communications between one another without fear of it being uh, read by the NSA. Now, that, all that being said, keep in mind the NSA is the organization in the United States that specifically focuses on cryptography and decryption. So, so just encrypting it does not necessarily mean that it doesn't mean it'll be unreadable forever. It may, however, 
practically mean that if you use an encryption that's long enough or that's that's complicated enough that uh, um that the that their statute of limitations runs out or, or, or on that saving it, it or yeah or that it's just so hard that the return on investment is is right. so low that's that true. they want they're like well there's got to be a better way of getting this data because by the time we end up figuring out what's being said it's no longer going to be relevant Good to anything to us. yeah yeah so uh, he ended up raising about one hundred fifty-two thousand dollars uh, from more than ten thousand backers within a day and a half of launching his uh, his campaign to create this app. And and from what I can tell, I mean, because he's still, you know, he has not served any of his prison sentence. He has not um, he has not paid any of those fines that were levied against them. And basically, he doesn't care. As far as I can tell, he's just running around the world, uh, you know, giving presentations, talking about important stuff of raising funds and yeah and that's yeah it's like the pirate bay uh court case is just over i mean it's just done some that was something he was required to go to the court and sit through (laughs) is pretty much what it comes down to more than yeah yeah. like he he got a timeout so uh yeah he's actually seeking uh clemency from the swedish government for the fines um, and, you know, he's really focusing on this encryption messaging service, which, by the way, would actually send uh, messages in bulk. It would decrypt the messages and then send it in bulk uh, across borders to be decrypted at another server and then in bulk and then delivered. So, in other words, the reason why you would put these in bulk is because when you have all the messages mixed together and encrypted, it makes it even more difficult to sort it out and figure out who sent what. So that could be the key to keeping the NSA from decrypting these messages, is that it's not just that you're decrypting a single message. Like, I I wouldn't be sending, it wouldn't be one line of message that I would send to, to Lauren. It would be my message grouped with everyone else's messages if they were to be intercepted. Um, so really, I mean, the focus there, I guess, would be on trying to find a way of intercepting messages after they reached the decryption server and were sent out. But that would be pretty difficult to do. So uh, it's an interesting approach, and we'll see how that turns out. There was another person that you had found, uh, someone who had been involved in the Pirate Bay toward the uh, last few months, uh, Tobias to- Anderson? Uh, Tobias Anderson, right. Um, he launched the Promo Bay, which used the front page of the Pirate Bay to allow independent artists to promote their work. And um, uh, I, I, I think it's a fascinating project because, you know, I, again, it's it's encouraging independent artists to um, to allow the free sharing of their work under the assumption that people will pay them for it once they have heard it for free. Gotcha. Yeah, and and we've seen cases of that. We've seen people who have uh, uh, offered up music for free, and then they've had, like, if you like this, here's where you can pay for it. Yeah, or pay yeah. me what you think it's worth. Uh, Jonathan Colton has done that mm-hmm. quite a bit. I mean, Amanda Palmer and uh, uh, the Dresden Dolls. Yeah. Uh, so it tends to be these groups that already have a pretty firm grasp on Internet culture. And sure. What, and what already appeals. have a pretty, pretty, pretty big, uh, you know, for, for lack of a better word, cult following yeah. online. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and unofficial studies, you know, uh, uh, Amanda Palmer's husband, Neil Gaiman, uh, released a uh, free version of The American Gods and and his publisher found that legal sales went up. Wow. So so there does seem to be at least some support for that, although, you know, uh, clearly you're going to really to really establish it uh, would require a pretty tough uh, study because, you know, there are a lot of variables 
right? There's there's just increased awareness of the existence of something, and someone might not know that there is a free way of getting it versus buying it. Like, there's a lot of different factors that you have to account for, but in general, like, it does seem like if you take this approach, people tend to support you. Right. Um, uh, also, I would like to note that Neil Gaiman is is not only Amanda Palmer's husband; he has his own uh, qualities. And wait, what? That- <laughs> Look, it just cracked me up. I, I knew said that Neil that Gaiman way. before he married Amanda Palmer. I meant to. I meant to merely associate the fact that they are culturally um, entangled. He's and, also and the guy who wrote uh, the Sandman funny books, right? Yeah, those I I read about that in the funny papers. Um, yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> well, well, getting back to Tobias Anderson, uh, I like you, you read out his full statement, but I just like the bit about the Pirate Bay in its current form must end. Uh, yeah, so he he had this really he he announced his resignation from it in July of 2013, uh, basically saying that the Pirate Bay in it, uh, I'll just read the quote: "The Pirate Bay in its current form must end. It is not built and meant for what is coming." The future copy fights will need something better, faster, safer. Something that does not depend on a few persons' will to sacrifice themselves. The world needs something that is impossible to take down, no matter what raids, laws, and scare tactics they will throw at you. See, I like that statement only because when it starts off, it sounds like he has become disenchanted with what the Pirate Bay is doing. And then he says, no, they're not doing enough. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> man, I was... I was ready to ride this ride, and now I don't feel right. Um, so... Here's here's another little bit of information I thought was interesting. So uh, a company called uh, Ipsos MMI did a survey in Norway. This just covers uh, piracy in in Norway and 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 consumer behavior in Norway. But that study found that piracy of music had dropped eighty two point five percent over four years, and TV piracy dropped by more than half in that same amount of time. And they, the survey drew the conclusion that at least part of the reason for this was because there were a lot more outlets where you could legally get this content and it was easier to find. The access was simple and, uh, and usually also that it was priced in such a way that it made sense to the consumer. So I would argue that there are a lot of services that are really cutting down, like taking the bite out of piracy. Stuff like, um, Services that allow same day, uh, 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 debut on the online as stuff that appears in movie theaters, which by the way, movie theater owners hate. Oh, I'm sure. You know, they, cause that's a tough industry too, just running a movie theater and to have the content come out online at the same time as it comes out in the theater is, that's a tough thing. No, there's, there's, there's different groups of people who want to go to a theater and who want to download something online yeah, to see it immediately. Right. No, and, I, and I think. Introverts versus extroverts thing. <laughs> and also, I mean, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like if it's something like Pacific Rim, like I would want to see so, that yeah, in a theater. Yeah, something that's a spectacle film, you sure. definitely want to see it on a big screen. Yeah, but, well, and also like streaming services, things like Spotify, Pandora, which allow you to listen to music for free. Uh, you know, you're getting ads, mm-hmm. so it's ad supported. Uh, but you're also listening to, uh, you know, to stuff that, that really interests you. You don't have to end up downloading something that may or may not have malware involved. You can listen to it safely mm-hmm. and legally. And, and um, just, and just the price and, and available, uh, availability of, of music on, on Amazon and iTunes right. and, and Google. all, and Google, yeah. everything. And yeah. then you've got, you know, television and movies that are available on things like Amazon Prime, Hulu Plus, Netflix. All of these different services that are 
that are growing around the world. I mean, in the United States, we've got access to a lot of them, but they're starting to appear in other countries as well. And that I think are an industry response to to piracy. Yeah. They're saying, well, you know, it, it's I, I feel like piracy is mostly mostly people saying, why won't you let me give you my money? Right. I There are certain I think for a certain population, particularly the younger population of pirates, it's more like I want access to stuff and I don't have any way of getting it uh, other than piracy, uh-huh. which may be either access or it may be financially motivated. There is. And, and there's also a certain punk rock segment of the community that is always going to be like copyright is dumb. Right. Why does it exist? Not, or, uh, information yeah. should be free. Right. There's going to be a segment of the population that isn't even thinking along those lines and just says this thing exists and therefore I want it <laughs> and, and I should have it and I'm entitled and I'm to entitled. it. Uh, but but that, I think that's the minority. I think that most people, you know, if you were to give them a legal safe way of, for example, getting Game of Thrones uh, right. without having to subscribe to HBO right. and a then, cable package. Then that might mean that more people would be willing to support that content. Now, you know, this is a complicated issue because there are a lot of different parties involved. It's oh, not course. just the content creators. It's the, the companies that provide the platform for these things. And and long histories of, uh, of you know, in, in the case of Game of Thrones, for example, cable company agreements with service providers. Sure, yeah. This gets really complicated. It's not like someone just has the freedom to say, oh, that totally makes sense. We'll make way more money if it's we do it like this way. It's not like George R. R. Martin is going like, no, keep it all on broadcast television. No, it's it's an obligation. I don't know what that it's, voice was. It's an obligation thing, yeah. There wasn't nearly enough beard in that voice <laughs> for a George R. R. Martin uh, quote. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so, I mean, it's, like we said, it's very complicated, but it does seem that the more legitimate, uh, avenues are opened, the more likely people will stop pirating stuff because it's just as easy and it's safer to buy it or to access it in a legal way than it is to pirate. And that seems to be the argument all around is that if you make it easier and, uh, and safer, then there's no reason for people to go this extra route where they could either encounter malware or perhaps the wrath of one of these enormous organizations. It makes more sense to go the legal route. Um, so, I mean, it's, you know, we'll, we'll have to see if that continues. It's a, it's a lesson that every industry learns on its own, right? We saw the record industry learn it first. Mm-hmm. The and movie and TV industry is still learning it right the now. The publishing industry. Publishing industry is a little behind, yeah. but, but that's the thing is that we see this happen over and over again. It's, mm-hmm. the, and it's almost exactly the same story each time. Yeah. Uh, that, that computer museum in, um, Linköping, Sweden, uh, the, the curator, Thomas Clifford, when he, when he got that, that original server that the Pirate Bay was hosted on, mm-hmm. um, was, Talking about the impact that the Pirate Bay has had on on the world and why he wanted to have this as part of his exhibit. And he said, it's been a good way for people all over the world to take part of a lot of cultural expressions. I'm not talking about the right or wrong of it here, but simply stating that it has had a culturally enabling effect. Interesting. And I and I feel like that that. I mean, that's it's that's a valid statement. It definitely has had a cultural effect. And really, I mean, it's it's changing industries. It's not just cultural. It is industrial. We're seeing entire industries respond to this and then adapt with this being a reality. And, uh, you know, I think in the long run, things are going to be all right. Right. It's just that every time this an industry there's, encounters there's this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, you know, any content creator is not going to want to just think. 
I, I put in so much time, effort, and money into creating this thing, and now people are just taking it. Whether you're the person who's actually making it or you're the person who's providing the tools for people to make it, whatever. I, I, I want everyone to get paid for, for what they do. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think that's groovy. Personally, I don't pirate anything anymore. I used to. I was a terrible pirate. I'm mean, not a terrible pirate. I was actually pretty good at it. Um, <laughs> but I don't do that anymore. You do not even have an eye patch, Jonathan. No, no. I got a hook. Uh, I don't do that anymore. But at the same time, I'm like, please make it easier for me to buy the things I love. Because if I, if, if it is, I'll buy them. And if it's not, I don't buy them. And either, you know, either you get my money or you don't get my money. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, this wraps up this discussion about the Pirate Bay. It's an interesting uh, and very, you know, obviously polarizing kind of, of topic. Uh, let us know what you think. You know, are, are you, are you of the, the mindset that copyright should just go away entirely? Does it just need to be adjusted? Does it need to be tweaked so it's not quite so, uh, extensive as it is right now? Uh, do you think that's ever going to happen? Or is it just going to require a world like the one the Pirate Bay has envisioned where copyright doesn't matter because you can just get around it anyway? Media anarchy. Yeah, let us know what you think. We're really excited to hear from you. Also, if you have any suggestions for future topics, let us know that too. You can get in touch with us in one of many ways. If you have a lot to say, I recommend email. That's uh, techstuff at discovery.com. If you have something that you want to say in 140 characters or fewer, try Twitter. You can find us there. Our handle there is techstuffhsw. If you've got something somewhere in the middle and you think that it's really funny and it should appear on our Facebook page, go to Facebook. We're techstuffhsw there too. Lauren and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 